0: This is a National Arts Center podcast. Find more great NAC podcasts on the Performing Arts at nacpodcast.ca or search on National Art Center on iTunes and subscribe for free.
1: Welcome to this podcast edition of NEC Dance with Kathy Levy, in which Kathy speaks to Catalan dance artist Maria Munoz on the eve of her National Art Center debut in April 2016. <laughs>
2: Maria Munoz, welcome to the National Arts Centre. I'm so Thank happy you. to have you here. Mm. We've been waiting a long time to have you come to Ottawa.
1: Thank you very much.
2: You have a nice connection with Canada, don't you? Mostly yes. through Montreal.
1: It has gone through the years, uh, somehow from the very beginning that we did our first duet. And then we kept on coming the last years since 2008 with Francine Bernier and L'Agora. Mm-hmm. And the first, very first time it was with Tangent, with their dance organization, oh, with fantastic. the Natavida, uh-huh. with our first vet. So now it's very, very nice to come to Ottawa. It's the first time. So you've mostly just been in Montreal. Right.
2: Oh, terrific. That's and what about in North America? What about in the United States? Have you done a lot
1: of touring there? We had a very strong time with the States, and it was uh, through Sam Miller, who was at the time uh, directing the Jaco Pilot Dance Festival. So, through there, we had a great door. We were there like five or six times, or in residency, or performing at the festival. And then there was one person that was working there that then took Nunali Curls, that took us on tour through very different places in America. So, right. it has been quite recurrent and. And nice. It's it's lovely for you to mention people like
2: Sam and Lee and yeah. Francine, because these are all colleagues who I admire okay. a great deal. Yeah. And we, we will talk about what brings you, of course, to Ottawa and the mm-hmm. NAC. But I'd like you to go back a little bit and tell us a little bit about yourself. People don't know you. Where were yeah. you born?
1: Well, I was born in Valencia. It's a little bit uh, middle south in Spain on the coast. Though my family is coming, uh, my mother is coming from the Pyrenees, so from a very uh, rough uh, place, you know, poor. And my father was coming from Guadalajara in the central Spain, even poor, uh, poorer place. So they, they were a typical couple that they met on the war, and then they decided to make their life far away from their places and find a better life. And so I am the last one of a large family, and my parents were hanging around all the time. And the last destination was Valencia. So I was there studying, regular studies, until I was 18. And then, um, um, in a way, I was lucky because my father had the obsession that we had uh, studies, whatever it was, but, you know, like really university studies. And then, quite soon, I realized that, uh, or I, or either I was studying architecture, or either I was going into something more artistic, and so in a way that was, um, yeah, it was not uh, so easy for the mentality of that time. You mean know? you mean, so, you
2: mean uh, uh, pursuing the arts
1: completely? Uh-huh. That was like, in uh, literal words of my father, that's something for rich. For people, rich, rich people. people. That, that's, but that's. It's not a uh, career-making move. Exactly, yes. yeah. but that that was a little bit the idea, not of him, but the, most of the people, just because it was the truth. Mm-hmm. So well, I say even <laughs> probably even today in 2016 there yeah. are many
2: parents who. Yeah have a hard time encouraging mm. their children to pursue their artistic mm. <laughs>
1: their artistic But let's say that the reality was that dance was very little in our country. So uh, I'm talking about contemporary dance. And um, most of the people that uh, had uh, studies on it were really from good families, let's say. So it was a, a reality saying that. But it was a moment of change. So somehow it was depending upon your curiosity and your will of moving around and trying to find other possibilities. But how did dance into your life? Um, yeah, that's, uh, I think I had an admiration by um, all things that I had to do with the body and the movement. So to say, the thing I, I was able to do was to train as runner. So I was running in a very serious way since I was very small until the age of... 15, Long distance 16. running or short. No, short, distance short distance velocity. Yeah. Um, but then uh, I was admiring very much the artistic gymnastic, or even uh, I I remember like uh, cutting on the newspapers when there was a figure like uh, uh a ballet figure from the Paris Opera, you know, like Sylvie Guillen yeah. that is actually younger than I am, but um on that moment, it was like, oh, what a dream if I could. <laughs> it was a bit crazy. But I think that... <laughs> I think many ballerinas
2: wish they were Sylvie Guillem, so don't know Yeah,
1: worry. but I mean, in that moment, it, for, for me, it was like a, a, a dream that what was nice would be to be able to do something like that. Mm-hmm. But the reality was that uh, I left my parents' home looking for possibilities right like that. And... Um, what I found in dance was a combination of that—that uh, that emotion I could feel through motion, through running, you know, uh, with the body and with the space, combined with other interests like in, in poetry, in music especially, and even when I was studying on philosophy. So I had the, the when I started to discover um, pieces from. Older people from many different countries in relation to dance. I realized that it was not so just about co- choreography, like putting a steps on time and space, but very much about concept, concepts, about many other inputs, and all of them fascinated me. So I, I thought maybe there is the door where something I can put something together. Even my old interest in architecture, you know, like. There was something there. Did that interest lead you
2: elsewhere? Because I know I read that you traveled a lot and you studied a number of different kinds of dance. You were also a dancer, I believe, in the Netherlands for
1: a while. Yeah, what I did was I left my parents' home and in, a, in a quite radical way in that in that moment. So I arrived in Holland, and there I tried to look for classes. So I had to find free classes. I did all kinds of uh, things all around and I was there a couple of years. Uh, and on that time, I had a chance to do a workshop with a Japanese uh, theater dance director, Susaku Takeuchi. Mm, that he was on that time in his forties, um, he was himself trained in um, in uh, a Japanese uh, uh, traditional theater Kabuki, but he had been in contact with uh, with the um, initiators of uh, Butoh, so he was a mix of um, interest for movement, but very strong uh, in images. So, I, w- uh, I was doing the workshop and he decided to take me, though I was very young. So, I had... Oh, you were you just a
2: teenager or a young I was 20s? was 18. Wow. 18, 18 when you old. left your parents' home?
1: Yeah. And oh. I think I was 19 when Shusaku... Okay. I was 19 and a half when Shusaku took me. Mm-hmm. So, it was very strange because I had no um, formation, mm-hmm. I, uh, training, mm-hmm. training. in in the sense of dance, but of course I had a body that was trained from the running, and he obviously saw something in you. Yeah, I think there was something there. It was quite hard for me because I was with people it was a very mixed group. There was an actor coming from the English theater, really very pure theater. There was a woman coming from Grotowski uh, formation, so there was all kind of uh, persons there, and that was, I think that was very important for me. In, in order to enlarge uh, my vision on, on things. It, it strikes me, though, that
2: running is a different kind of high than mm-hmm. actually, not just dancing, but if you mm-hmm. were part of this troupe, you were also performing mm-hmm. in front of an audience. Yeah. Do you yeah. remember those first feelings? Was that scary or strange or just completely natural? Yeah, no, it was very scary. Because yeah. <laughs> were was, you running competitively in front of people watching? Yes, this
1: one? Yes, yes. And, so and at least was, you had that transition mm, was similar. Mm. Though uh, that was one of my problems that I I realized I enjoy very much training, but I didn't like competition. Mm-hmm. So, in um, the sense that uh, I didn't like that the focus was so narrow. You no, know, that the thing was to win. And um, so I think that. Uh, Audience always has been for me a challenge. It's, I'm not a uh, person like I sometimes says of Pep, my colleague, uh, co-directing Malpelo, or other friends dancing that they are really made for the scene. You know, mm-hmm, like they the perform stage. in mm-hmm. the studio when we are per- training. They perform when they are in the audience with a naturality. So for me, it has been always a challenge. Mm-hmm. There is um, so um, that that has been there, and I think it will be there. Well, it's very interesting. I want to know to leap
2: ahead. It's an interesting uh, thing to note that even though that's always been a challenge for you, Mm. many years later, Mm. you're still performing and performing solo work, which of course means that you are completely vulnerable and completely exposed to the audience.
1: Well, I think through the the years, I realized that concentration was a, a big tool for me, for um, get over that um, that impression of the audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so, for example, in Bach, uh, where a piece in which the music is a, a, a very solid um, uh, axis, no, uh, I, I realized that what I have to do is to listen very truthfully to the music on the moment. While you're performing. Yeah. Yeah. And at the moment I do that, it's like many something gets open and at the same time uh, allows me to go through all those uh, states that reflect the piece.
2: I want to come back to Bach, the solo that um, is part of our NAC dance season, Um, but I want to ask you about you mentioned your uh, collaborator your partner Pep Ramis you founded together uh, this company Mm Malpelo you've called yourself the co-artistic director of this company and it's the two of you this has been going now for 30 years nearly 30 years nearly 30 years (laughs) which is extraordinary and fantastic how did that come about tell us uh, the story of the birth of (laughs) Malpelo
1: well Pep was not a dancer that's the first thing so he comes from a musician's family so he was preparing himself to play cello and so he uh, in a certain moment with a big effort of his father he moved to Barcelona to have regularly classes there and then um, he realized that that was asking him all the hours of the day and then he was in a moment in which he was opening to all kind of chances. think that we are talking about the, um, the very early 80s so, we are really the generation that was able to to think with a future of, um, you know, of hope after Franco died. Um, so, we were very young and a lot of things were opening. So, I think that was for many people, like the idea of getting close in one study and stay there, it was... Um, very difficult for mm-hmm. us. We wanted to travel. We wanted to do things. We, so that happened a little bit with Pep. So he started studying uh, voice and also marionette okay. in the Theater Institute. That's where we met, where we saw each other for the first time. And then later on, I started a group with Maria Antonia Oliveira, another dancer. And he, she was from Mallorca, like Pep. And then she suggested to bring Pep as a sound technician. (laughs) He didn't know anything about sound, but the idea was to just get a a bigger group where we could all help each other to do something. We were performing on the street a lot, any place, you know, like nothing, we didn't have fear for anything on that sense of inventing um, a reality that was not there at all.
2: What were you doing on the streets, though? Were you doing... Um, what we would call street performance, or were you doing contemporary dance? We or? would
1: say we have this piece ten minutes. Where we do we do it mm. in the Ramblas? So we do it in on the street. That's so awesome. it was it was nothing about uh, a type of um, dance, but uh, an ur- 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 urgency to do it somewhere to. Um, it was the same about rehearsal studios, like we didn't have, so we have to find any place we we found was okay to rehearse. So it was on that time that I I meet Pep, and we decided to to get a name. Malpelo is the name of a Colombian island in the Pacific. That's um, um, is uh, an island that there are only birds and a, a great um, coral. Uh, coral reef. coral reef exactly okay. so and it's a, uh, uh, where the the submarine currents are crossing so there was a Beautiful. lot of connotations we like it even even the the name malpelo means in Spanish means um, like a nasty boy uh, somebody that has you know a uh, uh, street uh, boy let's say okay so both things we like uh, it a bit, we would,
2: there's a word in english an urchin somebody who's yeah. a little bit uh, yeah. a little bit bad and they're yeah. stirring exactly. up trouble and oh that's exactly. interesting that that's what it means <laughs> given the 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 sanctity of this island that yeah. you just described exactly yeah.
1: both things were like connecting there and we say this name bad no? boy yeah and um, our idea was that that uh, Malpelo was an umbrella for anything that we could do together uh, as, as leaders, but with any other friends that, that we would meet. So the only thing that was clear is that the body and the movement had to be as the central um, tool. Uh, so that meant that for years we gave a lot of uh, um, importance to how we were collaborating with musicians or with people m- like Pep himself makes scenography from the beginning Um, so at the end I think that most of the performances were a combination of a lot of elements and a lot of collaborations and based mostly in Barcelona or based mostly now where your center is or well we when we met in Barcelona Pep was already there for six years I was I was for five years and on the moment we decided to do this Umbrella, Malpelo, that became what is now the, the company, we decided to move out of Barcelona in a very um, unconscious way. But we wanted to place ourselves somewhere out of all that noise. And on that moment, um, communication was not um, an easy thing. I mean, there was not internet. Even the place where we arrived, there was no telephone Wow. Like to get the telephone there was really difficult. Uh, so all our connections, you know, to get performances and things, we were doing it on the on the plane of the town, on a telephonic cabin. Mm-hmm.
2: And faxing. You probably did some fax machines. No, I still nothing. not in the beginning. Not. Uh, yeah. 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 So tell us about this. I mean, you've had so many projects. Thirty years of history. Mm. You're still going strong. As I said earlier, this is a an accomplishment for any major dance company mm. anywhere. And on top of it, um, in the early two thousands, you founded this center, which mm. I read about, and I'm so intrigued mm. and and envious and
1: delighted mm. so tell us
2: about that project
1: mm. by the time so to, to understand how we arrived to the to the center it's very important to know that when we move from barcelona we settle in a very old catalan house which are called masias very big ones with a lot of rooms like the old uh, land uh, houses that mm, Several families were living inside, and we decided to, um, we were working, rehearsing in Girona in a studio that we find there. It was for dance classes in the evening, so we were using it in the morning. And then after 10 years, that period, those first 10 years we were rehearsing there, and traveling a lot around, wherever we were invited. So if you were doing
2: collaborations, for example, with other musicians or other dancers, mm-hmm. they would come to you in exactly. Girona.
1: Exactly. That, then they, they could stay at home. We were rehearsing on the studio. And we were also traveling a lot. So that meant we were meeting most of our colleagues that are now in many countries doing great job. We met on those years. So we were invited in in Europe, in Latin America, in the States. It was that period. And after 10 years, we, we said we need to do a project in which we construct a space and where we are able to invite people in their nomad, nomad uh, life mm-hmm. to pass by and to leave some of this knowledge they have of that we have shared through the years in our country, there was this kind of uh, obsession. See, that's the um, the m- the main um, reason I was to construct something there. Yeah. So we we look for and we found we found uh, an old house very close to ours, but in a incredible bad state. So most of the buildings were with the roof down. down okay. And there but. was this big old house that's, um, um, finally, it, it's a house that is considered as a patrimonial okay. uh, historic, but it was left there in completely bad state. So that uh, gave us the possibility of buying that house with all the land around. Fantastic! It was just a disaster. Like um, So we were for one year demanding and making projects and convincing all over that it was very important to construct a studio there in order to be able to renew this historic place um, and to, um, to do a cultural project. And that took us one year. I finally got the permission because it's inside of a natural park. It's just in the beginning, but it is inside. So we asked some credits and then we did the studio that was the first thing and since then we every year we repair one corner so it it, <laughs> it's, it needs so much work still, still i yeah. tell you for years we could be 30 more years or a lot of money mm-hmm. on one on one time but uh, the the reality is that the the project is on already for fifteen years, so the studio is the main place where the we we do the creations and where we invite other artists to be in residence. I mm. mean, this is you know, people
2: listening. I I want to just emphasize this is an incredible gift to give mm. to artists that they have this kind of. Mm. Location. I mean, mm. please, everyone, go on the website of Malpelo and look at these photographs. <laughs> In l'animal, un- L'Animal, L'Animal. L'Animal la esquena. esquena. Oh, sí. How would you, how would you um, translate esquena? Uh,
1: esquena is the back. So is the animal on our back. Okay. Huh. I mean, the photos are amazing. Mm. Nineteen hectares of property.
2: Mm. Mm. And for artists to be able to go there and mm. have basically the mm. the the time and the yeah. space to research mm. and make work mm. i mean this
1: is a huge gift what what we tried was to construct an, a studio that it was very simple not expensive and very functional so that it could give all those minimal things you wish when you go to some place to to work and then all the the house and all the places around are quite in the process of, of getting yeah renewed. But the land is very nice. And the thing is yeah. that they get the 24 hours um, to use the space as they f- want. So that's a great uh, concentration. You must um, have
2: great demand. You must have difficulty yeah. making a choice of uh, who you're going... To.
1: Do you put a focus more mostly on Spanish colleagues or is it from people all over well, the world? Well, it has passed through different times. There was a moment in which... Um, the, um, the, there was a socialist government in Catalonia that was making uh, um, how do you say, uh, uh, an agreement for three years that finally was like five years having a bigger income. And that allowed us to do different activities. So it was residences, but there were also laboratories where people that were already professional would meet and just have the chance to change ways of seeing things. Um, there were a little bit of workshops, not so much, that was has not been the focus, and there were European projects, so um, projects with other uh, um, structures in the south of Europe that we invent projects. That was an amazing time, but through the last year has been cut, 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 and at the moment, the reality of, for example, for this year, the, which is the minimal, is only residencies, and No, the focus has been in any kind of artist, but it's true that the last two years we have been very um, sensible to the fact that the Spanish groups were in a very uh, difficult condition. Mm -hmm. So we have kind of focused a little bit more on that. There must still be some
2: interesting European collaborations with some EU money that is still going to culture. Is that not true, or has that dried up a little bit as well?
1: Well, I think that that the... um, the uh, applications are still there but you know to be able to do an, a European project you have to have something to offer mm-hmm. and if not it's impossible. You if you
2: can't bring your piece to the table. Yeah
1: yeah, because mm-hmm. it, there, it's a very complex organization mm-hmm. I always thought that I hope that the European projects happen in a way that the bureaucracy is uh, lighter than in our own country and it, it happened to be not at all mm-hmm. it's very, very complex, mm-hmm. and the way you justify the things, the way you can do or not do things, for example, when you collaborate with Arabic countries as part of the project, what you can or not put there, mm-hmm. it was a nightmare. It just needed one person just dedicated to that, mm-hmm. and that's not possible in the in the moment That's the thing right mm.
2: would you say speaking of Spanish artists, would you say that Malpelo? your Your choreographic language is somehow a reflection of your country and your culture in
1: some way mm, I don't know I don't know because uh I think maybe a particularity between us is that um we didn't really have uh, a school, so most of us um from our generation travel outside. Uh, got classes with people we thought they were um, maestros, no? Mm-hmm. And and we try to do a say, um, a synthesis of all that we pick up outside. So there are many different styles inside of the the country, but m- maybe what is a reflect is the way we try to organize as groups. Maybe we have the particularity that we are out of the city. Mm-hmm. That's not so so often. How would you describe Malpello,
2: though, to mm. others? I mean, we've talked about the structure mm. and the and the history, yeah. but what would you say is the defining mm. feel and look mm. of yeah. Malpello?
1: Um We always like it to define Malpello as a group and not as a company. I don't know why we had that obsession, but uh, on that moment, to try to get a company meant to be to have a, a body of dancers that had a regular training and, and that you were composing choreographically pieces in a, in a very determinate way. And that has not really been possible in these years for anybody. I mean, some groups had that chance for three, four years, but never has been really um, a chance. So we decided from up the beginning we don't want that we don't we want to do a group in which uh Pep and me are able to stimulate projects in which we can join with other people other collaborators so as much in in the music in the set in any even in in the movement so they um, uh, we never did uh, auditions to I think that's quite uh, explains how we are. So we are a group in which the dancers have uh, been sometimes 10, 15 years, 20 years together. But all of them, they are never all the time with us. So that's part of our appointment. Mm -hmm. So it's like a house that is, uh, uh, while we understand each other and we have a wish to develop things together, The door is open of that house. But somehow we all decided that it was good not to have, not to be inside of the house all the time. All the time. Yeah. So that means that, for example, Jordi Casanovas, that has worked with us since nearly 30 years we are together, he has been working with many European groups. With uh, Roses, I even don't remember the name, really a lot of companies, mm-hmm. but he would live for one year, be on a project, a company, and then after one year and a half appear and we would do another piece mm-hmm. and be together three years and then he would leave for one year, so that would uh, keep the air moving um, and also for Pep and me, it was very important to keep that freedom so that we could combine. Group projects with maybe three, four dancers, with projects in which we would go, the two of us alone, or one of each of him or me doing a solo or a duet or another project with somebody else. Right.
2: It so, gives you great flexibility and great mm-hmm. opportunity to explore different things. So you have done mm-hmm. the big group works mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. But you've also done this solo, Hmm. uh, which I want to talk about before our time runs out for sure. This gorgeous solo that Mm. you created in 2004. And Mm -hmm. I think that people like me won't let you stop performing it. We just keep inviting (laughs) it. That is true.
1: It's a beautiful
2: solo called Bach. Mm. Uh, Just, of course, musically and um, artistically, Mm -hmm. a a stunning work, very intimate. Mm -hmm. How did you come to make this work?
1: Um, it was really a special thing because, uh, as, I, as we spoke before, our pieces always had a lot of visuals in a very simple way because our, um, our possibilities were very reduced, but uh, there was our video, scenography, anything, and mixed with language also and, and dance. So in a certain moment I was asked to do a complementary work of a night um, show, in which I would do something else, completely different. So I decided, okay, uh, then I do something with Bach, because it was a music we used to, to listen in the studio, like it was for us uh, one of those composers that um, teach you about music about counterpoint about rhythm about different layers how to listen to one tempo or the other, and we train with that you know like with with some other music that for us I mean like flamenco for example or other musics that we found that had that challenge with with uh, rhythm no? with musicality uh, so it was to give that the step of what we were just uh, listening, experimenting, amusing on, on the studio to bring it one step ho- forward and mm. do a piece with it. Uh.
2: <laughs> and and you have been performing this piece for a very long time. Do you yes. ever think, that's it, I'm not going to do it anymore? Yes.
1: yes. I, I, I tried several times. But, but then uh, we just keep
2: inviting you. Is right. <laughs> in, to-
1: in 2013, I was really decided to, okay, I finish here and then... Claire Berlet from Théâtre de la Ville asked me to play it there, and then that that was like the beginning of a, a new it was like wave. like a Renaissance, that's <laughs>
2: right. We have a special connection, of course, to the piece because Glenn Gould is mm. such a national yeah. hero for all of us in Canada. Is one yeah. of our most iconic mm. musicians, mm. and to hear that recording of mm. the Bach is mm. something that I think speaks mm. to us. Besides the bea- the beauty mm. of of the dance. Mm. I think people really enjoy That's a
1: challenge for me to do it here with that music. I must say that I listened to different uh, versions of that piece from the original play with Org, um, with people, very good players, but it was too quick or it was like, it didn't have that, like that... um, spaces to enter in with um with a very um, yeah with a sp- very special tempo there was no space for getting in and then suddenly i I found that on those uh Glengual recordings there was just um there was a uh, how to say an space of resonance where where I could enter so i um I love to to hear somehow how he is also singing and slightly talking while he's playing because it's exactly something that I always felt while I was dancing, that I had this need of speaking while I was dancing, which I I was told several times, you are talking while you are dancing, and I didn't realize. And so with that music was perfect. For me, it was like uh, there was... um, an open space where I could give the hand to to him and to the music and and just live there. Mm. Mm. Can you give us a sneak preview of what your next project will be? <laughs> um, we just pref- we just premiere a duet, let's think, let's, uh, the fifth winter. So that's quite new. We are working on that and and on the last time we are doing. Uh, Special collaborations. So um, uh, we just made an encounter with uh, Jordi Saval, the the, um, viola de gamba player. Uh, He's very known in Europe. He's an amazing player. He's already 75 now. And he he has done an incredible work of recuperation of old... um, uh, all songs from all places: the Sephardi songs, the, Otto, the Ottoman Empire songs, the Armenian songs. Um, so, in we had this uh, concert we did together. So we are willing to be able to do it again, maybe two, three more times. Were, were you solo in the in the? No, we are four dancers, four dancers. and mm-hmm. Jordi Saval is playing with four more musicians: a Tarkis one, an Armenian. And a Greek one and a Spanish one. Fantastic. Yes, they are incredible. Are you performing that around Spain? Or? No, we did just one encounter. Wow. And now we are trying to see how we can move. Though he is very busy all over the world playing. Um, and then uh, now we are preparing for a Pep after a long, long time to do a solo. So okay. a small piece waiting for the chance to have the the possibilities of doing a group piece. I hope in... In eighteen, and all um, the while
2: you're fixing little corners of your beautiful uh, center yes, for Ricky. choreography. Yeah. <laughs> it's fantastic. Yeah, it's such a pleasure to talk to you. No, I really you am so thrilled much. to welcome you to the National Art Center, and uh, I hope this is the first of many visits as, yeah, we, as we look very, to the future. I'm very, very
1: happy, really, to be here, and I thank you for that. Great, okay. thank you for your time. Okay, thank you. <laughs> That's all for this edition of NEC Dance with Cathy Levy. Please send us your comments and questions by email at NECpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget, you can subscribe to NEC Podcasts at nec-cna.ca slash podcasts. You can also find us as a free subscription in the podcast section of the iTunes Music Store. Until next time, goodbye from Canada's National Arts Centre.
0: This has been a National Arts Center podcast produced in Ottawa by NAC New Media. Send us your comments and questions. Email us at NACPodcasts at gmail.com. Visit the podcast section of the iTunes Store, where you can rate and comment on this podcast. We love to hear from you. Remember, you can find more great NAC podcasts at NACPodcast.ca or search on National Arts Centre on iTunes and subscribe for free. Until next time, goodbye from Canada's National Arts Centre.